The Money Show. Other people's money. Alon Reyes is obsessed with other people's money. Well, other people's businesses, to be more precise. He's helped thousands of entrepreneurs start, better manage and run their businesses profitably. He's the founder and chief executive of Reyes Corp. And we know that you're good at what you do in helping others create wealth and add value in their businesses, Alon Reyes. But are you any good at managing your own? Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, well, I've taken a long time to get good. I'm still in the process of of trying to get good at it. So, yeah. Well, explain, explain that. Explain that. Because, I mean, you, you've, you spend all day counseling people, cajoling people, counseling people, lecturing people, possibly bashing a few heads together. Um, does that just take up too much of your time for you to then op- become obsessive about your own financial well-being? Yeah, well, Bruce, you know, in the beginning, my journey is sort of a weird journey in the sense that in the beginning, it was all about trying to become successful. And then it got a diversion into trying to make a lot of other people successful. And through that process, it took a long time for me to become successful by doing that for others. And then sort of realizing that, you know, in my 40s that I better take care of myself too. Um, Otherwise, um, I'm going to be just an NGO, um, somebody leading an NGO, but um, not with the title NGO. I was a for-profit business. So only in my 40s did I wake up to the fact that I needed to sort of look after my own success I was more obsessed with other people's success than my own. It's a huge revelation, isn't it? Um, to to get to that point where you go, hold on a second. Um, you know, you, you hopefully you're building a business which has value. At once, at some point in the future, you'll be able to sell that business, um, and and real and realize value from it because that's what you tell other people to do, no doubt. Um, but when it comes to personal finance, that was there a particular moment? Was there a particular moment where you went? <gasps> I'm in trouble here. Yeah, yeah. If it all goes, you know, uh, Bruce, it took it took me five years and two months to make my first profit in Ray's Corp. So, and after that, I was, you know, I felt like that that was fine. I was profitable. I was going, and it was more about the mission of of serving others. And then one day, my my mentor uh, said to me, you know, the, the, if you don't look after yourself, if you don't uh, make sure that you're still around, then you cannot serve others. So you need to start taking care of yourself in order to ensure that you are still able to concentrate on making sure that others are successful. And so that was sort of the wake-up call in my 40s. And then it became a, a journey around, you know, it was very weird because when I was asked to be on the show, I thought, what am I going to say? Because I'm not exactly... Um, obsessed. I'm not obsessed with money. I'm not obsessed with um, making millions. I'm more obsessed with success. It's a very different journey to be obsessed with success than to be obsessed with money or making money. Um, not, not that I don't think that money is important or important for the security of my family and my future and you know my my, my family's future, but it's not what drives me and and. So I always feel a bit of a fraud when I'm asked to be on some show talking about being good with money because I'm good at creating success, but I'm not really too interested in the money itself.
We didn't invite you on to tell us how good you are with money. Well, frankly, I prefer disasters. Disaster stories are far <laughs> more interesting. Stories of illicit bad habits are far more interesting than stories of dedication and success. I know I started at 13 and my seven newspaper rounds and I saved every cent and I paid rent to my parents from the age of 15. Yeah, that's very nice. I don't believe any of those, or not many of those stories. Um, Talk to me about disasters when it comes to money. I mean, by, by starting late in your 40s, do you think you've sold yourself short or have you been able to play catch up? No, I've certainly played catch up, and I, you know, when Race Corp certainly become successful, you know, and I'm CEO of that company, and by default, I, I associate some of that success to myself. So, I, I, I'm not sitting here and so worries me and any of that. But I think, I think my big issue was that when my peers were investing. Uh, and getting into the the market in the property market, I was not. And um, you know, when I was forty, some forty was my first. I bought my first property at forty. You know, so it's really not uh, not a great track record. And then um, then I wasn't too good at that. So if you ever asked, if you want to know what to do with property. You ask me and do exactly the 180 <laughs> degrees. I, that's what you do. A lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly people who like to keep their their powder dry and keep their cash um, ready for opportunities, rent. Um, and I know a lot of people who do this. And it, it goes against the grain for me because I, I like to think that one day when I'm old and decrepit, I can have a roof over my head and not be paying somebody else for it. But lots of people do believe in this idea of, of renting and you clearly believed it until the, at least the age of 40 and probably believe it even more now if you had a bit of a disaster. Well, you know, Bruce, it was really a function of, of not being able to afford to buy. That was the, the real reason and not mm. because I didn't believe in owning it. Now I own, own two properties and I, I own them 100% and, and I feel the same way as you do that when I'm older, I do want to make sure that, that no one can take away the roof over my head. Um, so, so it wasn't just. It wasn't because I didn't believe in it. It was just really a function of waking up too late. I'm a late bloomer. I've always been a late bloomer. Um, and between forty and now I'm fifty-four. You know, it's been a much better ride. But um, I've had to learn. I feel like I wish I'd woken up when I was thirty or twenty-five to to these things. But I was just more obsessed with creating success than creating money and. It's a very weird distinction, but it's a very different distinction because today I don't I don't worry about money. I don't worry about a roof over my head. I don't worry about tomorrow. Um, I and I'm still remains obsessed with success. You know, when I look at you know, my and you know that I've got a mentor, a very strong mentor in my life who's who's been there um, all the time and and. As a as a billionaire, this this individual has taught me to be more um, more obsessed with success than af- afraid of failure. So to me, it's it's it, even if it's a small success, I get far more enjoyment from watching another individual that I've invested in make 
a couple of thousand rand that month, literally a couple of thousand rand that month. I've just invested in a, in a business right now. And the individual's just, you know, made literally a couple of thousand rand in, in his second month. And I'm so excited because it was zero a couple of months before. And yet I'm, I'm not really worried about losing money. So uh, it's a very weird, uh, yeah. weird contrast. So, I mean, you've got two properties. Um, do you have unit trusts? Do you, do you have a, a, a private no. client share portfolio? How do you invest? How does Alon Raise invest? Other than, you know, having for the first 15 years of your working life poured money into growing your own business. I, I, other than uh, property and um, I've bought, um, uh, I've got, um, bought, uh, uh, a portfolio of dollars in uh, I've got a, a forex of dollars just keep something in in forex um other you than keep that, that in cash you, you know, keep that in cash do you okay okay yeah well well you know as as an uh, an offshore account you know just to, to based on on what you can do within your uh, your legal means so other than that it's all in ways cool I'm, I'm really, it's 100%, I just reinvest and reinvest and reinvest. And the way that I protect myself is that I've invested in many other entrepreneurs. I invest in one entrepreneur after the, every year I invest in two to three new uh, businesses, um, substantial amounts, not small amounts, substantial amounts of money in those. And I take, I would say, bets on them. And so far, I've been very lucky. I've chosen very, very good uh, entrepreneurs to invest in. And then I invest in my own team in RaceCorp itself, which uh, which has been growing exponentially over the years. So I've got actually quite a diversified portfolio. It's just not in, other people are not managing it. I'm managing it. I'm managing yeah, every single day. But that's the point. Uh, and people, Because people see investing as a painting on the wall or a property in a nice street or a, a set of unit trusts or cash in a bank account. They don't necessarily see the wealth of investing in others, which is weird to me because a lot of people have created an astonishing amount of money in their lifetimes by letting other people do the work. Christo Visa was one of them. I remember Whitey Basson telling me one day we did a, an outside broadcast with Whitey Basson and uh, Whitey Basson had uh, said to his son, so what do you do want to do one day? And he said, I want to do what Um Christo does. And I said, what is that? No, he invests in companies and other people work and he just sits back and rakes in the cash. And that worked incredibly well for Christo Visa until a big bet, of course, went disastrously wrong in Steinhoff and we know what played out there. But still, he's not badly off as Christo Visa as a result of his ability to pick 99%, it would seem, of great managers to invest in. Um, he, he had one massive failing have you been particularly good therefore at picking winners rather than and i'm sure you've had a couple of losers over time as well yeah so so i you know i'm gonna not be humble now and i'll say i'm better than average at choosing the right people i don't get it right every time but over the last 15 years i've been incredibly successful in choosing the right people so how do you no. do that you know, in, initially it was it was gut. I look for you know twenty. In looking at individuals, I look at twenty seven different things. And and you've had me on your show before, and you'll know that father issues is one of them. So anyone with a father issues sort of comes to the front of the queue. Um, 
It's an incredible, incredible driver uh, to success. So I look at the psychology of the entrepreneur. I, I'm not really interested. I've just invested in an IoT business, but mainly around father issues. There are two entrepreneurs, both with father issues, um, and a good business. Um, they did really, really well in the first two years, and then it got tough with COVID, and that's when I stepped in. And I believe I can add great value. But I look at the individuals and I look at their drive and I look at their ability to learn. If they cannot learn, that means they won't iterate and they won't evolve. So to me, it's finding the right people at the right time uh, with the right drive. And the, and I'm not so interested in the business model because that will evolve. That always evolves. I've never, ever been in a business where it's the same one year after I've got involved in it, not because of my influence, but because the individuals who I'm investing in are those type of people who are, have got an open mind to learn and evolve and listen to feedback and and, and apply that feedback. So I, I am better than average. I would say I'm not brilliant, but I'm better than average in choosing the right people. Some people would say that is brilliant. Um, can you disclose... Uh, well, I'll, let me put it to you this way. Disclose in as much detail as you can your biggest win in terms of investing in another business. Um, I suppose I, I got involved with a business um, and uh, I got in for free. Um, I, I put in money uh, in, in the business. I took equity in the business. The business was, was failing. Um, and... I backed these individuals uh, and the business did um, okay. And then it's really started to take off. And then we sold a portion of the business for uh, like not, not, not even like a 10 or a 20, like a massive multiplier. Um, and I kept the, the reason why I think it was such a good deal is the individuals who bought the business, bought the business, but not the entrepreneurs. I kept, a, I kept my partners and, <laughs> that was why I feel I won because I sold the business but kept my partners. And that to me is, is the, has been the ultimate win. I've, I've had various other successes where businesses have been flatlining for years, but I've believed in them and then they take off. Um, I'm what they would call very patient capital. Uh, and, and I think that makes you quite rare in a world of venture capital where you know returns need to be coming through in five or seven years. Um, sometimes it takes a little bit more patience than that, and they, they would be lucky to have uh, a patient investor sitting beside uh, beside them. Do you notice the same weaknesses coming through in companies you invest in, the same mistakes being happen, uh, happening across companies where people just fall into traps or habits or, 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 or problems, um, and they can't see a way out of them, but to you it's like uh, there's a GPS and you simply follow the GPS to helping them resolve their problems. Well, I'll answer that in two ways. You know, I've also done deals where I've walked away from from them like almost in the first couple of weeks where money hasn't moved. And that's generally around the fact that I've missed, and this is where I say I'm better than, better than average but not great, I've missed the fact that they don't have a, va- a value for money. So the, the whole thing is about spend, spend, spend. And, you know, they see us as the... Um, the savior and now it's all going to be okay and so the responsibility moves to us or to me or to to race versus them doing the work 
and that and I and if I can catch that on time, I'll reverse out of a deal at that at, at that point. So so the way that I'm answering the question is that the big mistake that I see many entrepreneurs make is when they get an investor, they see the investor as the savior and and not as a partner to, to, to solve the problem. So they effectively step back from decision making and from driving the business and put that on to you. And and that to me is a is is a is a terrible sign of a or a, of a good sign of a bad investment. Uh, and I think that's important because they're so relieved. They go, oh, thank goodness. And they're, they're, it's almost as if they want a job and they want a boss. And uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know how many investments you've got in your portfolio, but I'm sure it's it's dozens um, over many, many years. Um, you don't have time to go and run other people's businesses, I would think. No, exactly. And that's exactly, I'm nodding while you're saying is that, that that's exactly the mindset. Uh, now I've got a boss and I've got somebody to tell me what to do. Whereas a better in, investor is somebody who advises and says, "This is what I think," but this is, but I'm not telling you what to do. This is my opinion, and this is what to look out for, and this is, you know, what I've experienced in the past. I've been doing this for long enough to know that the past doesn't equal the future. My experience is not the truth, uh, or my knowledge is not the truth. I just add to a 360 view of what how to solve the problem. And generally what happens in the combination of their innate knowledge of their business and their industry and sort of my experience on, on how to see opportunity, there's, therein lies the, the, the solution. So, so when they, they abdicate the responsibility to me, that means we, you don't have a 360 view, you just have my view. And as I've said before, it, that's, it's an imperfect view. So it's my view plus their view gives better clarity on a, on a way forward. It's not just my view is the right way. Small and yonder skeleton signs, you don't get to go away without telling us some dirty, dark truths. You've told us you know, your great successes and how you are better than average at picking winners, but you must have blown it at least once. Oh, no wonder. Bruce, I've blown it so many times. I've... I've um, I've uh, the one I got involved in a, in a business with an individual that I knew for many many years from the time I lived in Durban. Um, I knew this individual for twenty years. I put in not a substantial, but a couple of million rand into this business, and the individual kept saying, "I kept look, asking for financials," and you know, and that weren't forthcoming. And there was always a story, and because he was charming, and I knew him. I let it go and let it go. And six months later, nine months later, and a couple of million rand later, and and all disappeared. So a big lesson to me, um, keep the discipline. Keep the discipline. And and since then, you know, it's, it's really about making sure no matter whether you trust or don't trust somebody, have the discipline of, of the financials, the monthly financials, and make sure that you've got a brilliant, not a good, a brilliant accountant in place to run the business from a financial point of view. Investing in friends or investing in acquaintances or people you know, avoid like mm -hmm. the plague, avoid like COVID, or um, worth it under certain conditions, or, um, you know, worth it only if you can be even tougher on them than you would be on somebody you didn't know. The only way I go into business with friends is if we co-invest in somebody else in a third party, and not not in them. I would I wouldn't do that again. 
I mean, I'm not saying that it won't work for me. I'm too afraid now. Once bitten, twice shy. So you know that that whole thing is is that you you get you you've got a blind huge amount of blind spots that you can't see because of your friendship, because of your past, and because of the frames that you have of the past and of that individual. Um, so you don't see lots of things. So I would go into business with a friend, into a third thing, uh, but not. I would not invest in a friend. I'd are lose you, that friend. Are you the firstborn in your family? I am. I am the firstborn. <laughs> um, so somebody over the SMS line is saying, that man, who's you, sounds like the firstborn, taking care of others instead of himself until he was given permission by his mentor to put himself first. Is that a fair comment? That's a very fair comment, that. It's a very fair comment. I wish I'd got permission earlier, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I've learned, yeah. I've learned, you know, if I ever wrote an autobiography, it would be called a late, The Late Bloomer. I've always been a late bloomer in everything I've done. So, I, I, anyway, I know, that's... No, no, but I think, I think you're on to something there, and I'm going to hold you to it, and I'm going to send you details of my publisher in just a little bit because I think they'd be interested in that book. Have you got time to write a book this year? I'm writing a book which, uh, you, know, I've written, or, you know, I've written already three books, mm. but I've been writing another book for seven years which I haven't finished. I promised to finish. Sorry, no, no. I missed, uh, sorry, I missed all of that. The line died on us. Seven what? I said uh, I've written three books already and I've been writing a fourth book for seven years oh. and I promised <laughs> that I've finished that. That's fourth book for uh, uh, this year, so I would be interested in writing that book. But uh, like, I don't think anyone would be too interested in. Uh, you know, this is not. By the way, I hope this is Alon Ray's, not Elon Musk speaking. So, not, uh, that's not the first name. But I don't think too many people would be interested in 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 that in my story. I think the theme, but the theme of late blooming, I think, is absolutely pivotal because what it does is for many people who either don't have the money when they're younger or they have kids when they're really young and they just you know, got their heads down and they in you know perpetual panic mode just trying to survive, get to, you know, late 30s, early 40s and suddenly think, oh, hell, it's too late to do anything. And I think you're proof that it's not too late. Yeah, and, and Bruce, the, the honest, my honest, honest feeling right now is that I feel I'm just getting started. I've just woken, I feel like I've woken up and I'm, I'm now ready to to make huge success. I feel honestly now I've sort of got it, got the, got it, and now I can become aggressive. So I really feel I'm only just getting started now. I hear you, Alon Reyes. Thank you so much for sharing with us this evening. Alon Reyes is the founder and chief executive of Reyes Corp.